It's the Chronicles of Aguna and it is showtime. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. If you're wondering why I'm looking down at my phone, um, I probably shouldn't be doing it, but I'm replying to Twitter trolls in my DMs telling me that I'm bang out of order for criticising Jose Mourinho after the North London derby. And of course, uh, the fact that Tottenham crashed out of Europe. There you go, sorty Spurs fans. I can't... I can't believe that Spurs fans actually want to defend the guy, if I'm honest. I mean, I just don't get it. I think he's I think he's taken them backwards. I think they've regressed under Jose Mourinho. I I can't understand why there are Tottenham fans who who get upset and get defensive when somebody criticizes Jose Mourinho because he is, uh, in my opinion, a has been past it. Um, and is uh, taking Tottenham in the wrong direction. But we don't care about that, do we? We're Arsenal fans. Uh, but yeah, just as I hit the live button, the DM started flooding in. So I thought I'd, um, I'd uh, just explain why I was looking down at my phone when the camera uh, panned back onto me. But a good morning to every single one of you. Good afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Hope you're all good. Uh, hope you're all enjoying your Saturday so far. And on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's trip to West Ham United. Big, big game in the Premier League. And if the Gunners are to put in a bit of a run and challenge for at least the top six, uh, then they will need uh, to uh, to pick up a positive result against West Ham, you feel, uh, on Sunday tomorrow. Uh, there is currently seven points between the two sides, but that can obviously be reduced to four if Arsenal can go to the London Stadium and win. So fingers crossed we can take all three points. On this edition, we're going to be looking ahead to that game. I'm going to be sharing with you guys my starting eleven and my prediction. We're going to be uh, reacting to Mikel Arteta's press conference ahead of this one. And um, I wanted to start off by talking about something that isn't necessarily Arsenal related, but is very, very important. And I want to talk about that incident in the game between... Um, between Rangers and Slavia Prague, of course. Uh, Slavia Prague are our next opponents in the UEFA Europa League. And I've seen a, a, almost an outcry on social media from even non-Arsenal fans, um, you know, to, to for Arsenal to go out and beat them, for Arsenal to go out and, and really stick it to Slavia Prague because their actions, um, and I say their actions, I'm talking about the actions of, of one of their players, um, were just completely unacceptable. The explanation that the Slavia Prague player has given, the statement that Slavia Prague have released uh, with regards to what the uh, the defender is supposedly s- supposed to have said uh, is quite frankly embarrassing. I mean, who runs over to someone, covers their mouth and says, you effing guy? I mean, that is not, that is not a, surely we're not buying that. I mean, surely we're not buying that. And uh, Glenn Camera obviously released his statement um, via a, a lawyer. 
and uh, I expect UEFA to open up a nego- uh, an investigation on this. As of yet, we haven't actually heard anything from UEFA as to whether they're going to be following this up, as to whether they're going to actually take action. And I can't really keep going on and on and on about the incident itself because I've got to be honest, I didn't watch the game at the time. Obviously, uh, you know, there was there was other football going on. Um, I didn't know about it until I watched the highlights and having seen the highlights, I think it's in, you know, it looks bad, doesn't it? For the Slavia Prague man. Um, it, it looked terrible. There was uh, rumors of, of some ongoings in the tunnel after the game, whereby apparently Glenn Kamara went after uh, the Slavia Prague man. And then, you know, there was a little bit of a scuffle apparently and, and Slavia Prague were very quick to point that out and try and put their side of the story across. And at that point, it was a case of he said and she said, and, you know, you don't really know what's going on. I, I find it very, very hard to believe that somebody would react the way Glenn Camera did if if there wasn't uh, some racial connotations to what the player had said to him. So I believe him. Um I guess for me, the most disappointing thing about all of this was that picture that emerged on social media last night. I'm sure you've all seen it. Uh, it was in our, our group Discord server uh, where the members are all at. And we were talking about it, the uh, Slavia Prague Ultras with a banner uh, reading Glenn Camera is just a whatever, um, not acceptable. And it shows that this is an issue still in football. We've known it for a long time, but it feels like every time an incident occurs, it just gets swept under the rug, swept under the carpet. But for me, we've got to a point now where the only way you're going to deal with this and the only way you're going to eradicate this and the only way you're going to deter people from doing things like this is to kick them out of the competition. It's to kick them out of the competition. And... That's not me saying this because I'm an Arsenal fan and we face Slavia Prague next and I want to buy to the semi-finals of the competition. That's got absolutely nothing to do with my perspective here. I just feel like you can't you can't allow this to continue any longer. And unless you, you, you clamp down on it, unless you get strict, this will continue to happen because right now there is no deterrent. There is no strong enough punishment that makes people think twice about acting in that way. Sometimes we see it from fans and you look at it and you go, it's five or six idiots in a 20, 30,000 people crowd. Is it fair to punish the club and all the other supporters who are not idiots by kicking the club out of the competition? In that case, I think there's a different discussion that needs to be had. But when you're talking about the actual players That is UEFA's jurisdiction. That is UEFA's responsibility. It's their competition and they are responsible as the European football governing body uh, for any racial abuse that takes place on the pitch. They have to act. They have to do something strong. And I think the only thing strong enough right now would be to kick Slavia Prague out of the Europa League and let that be a lesson, not just to them, but to everybody else watching on who feels that they might be able to get away with something like that. I feel... Kicking Slavia Prague out of the competition is the only, you know, is the only sufficient treatment here. It's the only thing, um, you know, that that is is strong enough and it will make a statement as well. 
you know, I, I maintain my point. I, racial abuse is never okay. But I think this, where this incident is very different is we're not talking about a couple of idiot supporters that you have no control over on social media, doing it under an anonymous name. And it's very difficult to track those people down. This is a clear incident. We know who was involved. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a horrible incident. It's horrible that we're having to talk about this again. We're in 2021, for God's sake, but we are having to talk about it. Uh, because it is something that needs highlighting it. It is something that needs to be under the spotlight. And um, yeah, it, it's something I felt was was worth touching on and um, and, and discussing at the top of this show. And, and as I say, for me, the only strong enough uh, punishment for Slavia Prague would be to kick him out of the tournament. Simple as that. Um, you know, and if it's, if it's, if it's a, uh, harsh in some people's eyes then tough and i think that you know if if that was to happen slavia prague would claim that they've been made an example out of and they feel it's it's unfair treatment maybe that's what it needs maybe somebody does need to be made an example out of maybe somebody does need to get a punishment that is in the eyes of some um deemed to be over the top overly severe if that's what it takes to stop this happening moving forward, then so be it. Do it. Um, and, and with Slavia Prague, right, as, as Aditya points out in the, the comments, and, and rightfully, this is not the first incident in which their club have come under the microscope for this sort of thing. Um, Romelu Lukaku, Nelson Semedo in the past have all suffered racial abuse at the hands of somebody uh, associated with Slavia Prague. So, yeah. Kick them out of the competition, I say, and we move forward. Felt like I needed to touch on that. Felt like it needed to be discussed. Um, but we're going to focus our attentions on the game between West Ham United and Arsenal at the London Stadium. That game, of course, taking place on Sunday at 3pm. And we'll be bringing you a live watch along of that one. So come and join me for that. hope you've enjoyed them of late. Uh, it's been great to see the numbers growing in terms of the uh, amount of people joining me for those. So really delighted and looking forward to bringing you another one uh, tomorrow. So get involved in the live watch along if you haven't already. Make sure you subscribe, make sure your notifications are turned on and that way you'll never miss it. Quick reminder also before I continue that this show is sponsored by Manscaped. So if you're in need of some tender loving care, particularly in the nether regions, uh, then head over to manscaped.com. Uh, they are kindly sponsoring the Chronicles of Aguna. And if you wish uh, to uh, get 20% off of any order you make, as well as free shipping, and enter our discount code, which is 90min20, 90min20. And as I say, 20% off plus free shipping. Right, let's focus on the game uh, against West Ham United. And let's start with Mikel Arteta's press conference. He uh, faced the media. Uh, ahead of this one. And he was asked, of course, about the uh, latest team news. He said everybody was fine after the game, but we will assess them this morning. This was him, of course, speaking yesterday. He said, regarding Bukayo Saka, in the next two days, we will know if he's available to play against West Ham. And after that, we will make the decision on what to do. He was asked about the lessons learned off the back of that Olympiacos match. And he said, basically, we have to maintain the standards we set, particularly when we're in possession of the ball. We had too many situations where we didn't discriminate or make the right decision. And then execution wise, we weren't at our best. He was asked about needing to be better about West uh, against West Ham. He said, 
we know we will have a really, really tough game. They've been in great form. They've been really consistent. They know really well what to do and how to hurt opponents. I know David really well, and I'm sure he will prepare the match. So it's a difficult game for us. He was also asked about whether he'd been surprised by the improvements West Ham United have made. And he said, not really. I think they've had a really strong squad and they have a really strong manager and great coaching staff. They started the season with some doubts, but I know what David is capable of doing. He gets the group together. They're working really hard for each other. They've recruited really well and you can start to see the things that David has done. Obviously, they have a little bit more time during the week to prepare uh, for football matches and training. And I think they've been in great form and they're a really dangerous team. So Mikel Arteta, full of praise uh, for David Moyes and West Ham United. And understandably so, look, David Moyes has had a massive influence on Mikel Arteta's career. I know a lot of people talk about uh, the Pep Guardiola factor and the the, the point that he was, of course, uh, you know, working under Pep Guardiola um, for that period of time at Manchester City. But actually, David Moyes is somebody that Mikel Arteta himself has credited a lot uh, for his wanting um, and his knowledge now uh, as a coach because David Moyes was in charge of that really strong Everton team. If you remember, I know a lot of people poke fun at David Moyes because of how things went at Manchester United. And he had a little bit of a shit period um, after that where, you know, he tried some different jobs. He ended up in Spain for a little while, relatively unsuccessful over there with Real Sociedad. And he became a bit of a laughing figure. He came into West Ham, saved him the first time. They brought him back for a second time now. And I think that um, that David Moyes doesn't get anywhere near the respect that he deserves. Now, will David Moyes' sides go out there and play open, expansive football? Is it always great on the eye? No, absolutely not. But um, they are efficient. Um, they are defensively sound. They understand what their strengths are and they play to them. And I think with West Ham United, one of the things that Arsenal really need to watch out for is their ability from set pieces. Um, talked a, a fair bit about it uh, during a recent commentary that I did in it, during West Ham's game against Leeds, where they had, uh, of course, uh, Cresswell putting in wonderful deliveries into the box. And they do have players, the likes of Thomas Suchek, their centre-backs, whether that be, uh, you know, Ogbonna, whether that be Diop, whether that be uh, Dawson, they've got the ability to hurt you in those situations. And I think that that's one of the areas they will look to hurt Arsenal. They'll look to sit with a low block, I'd imagine, um, and try and pick uh, their times and opportunities to get forward. And when they do, uh, they will look to uh, to win set pieces and make them count. I think he's done a, a really good job and He's a manager who, as Mikel Arteta says, rightfully is going to make this game tough for us. All right, It's not going to be a walk in the park. I'd be very surprised if Arsenal were to go there and win comprehensively. Do I think Arsenal can win? Of course I do. Um, but I, I'm not sure it will be a comprehensive win. And um, we're, one thing that is for certain is that we're going to bloody have to work hard for it. Uh, that's a given with a David Moyes side, regardless of what you think about his football, regardless of what you think about him as a character, as a manager. He is very capable, one of the best in the business, I would say, at setting up a team to be solid, to play with a low block and to take advantage of the situations that they do uh, find themselves with. If we go over to uh, the league table, as I've already said, you know, there are currently uh, seven points between the two sides. If Arsenal win, uh, they can, of course, uh, turn that into a four point gap, which would obviously be significant in our pursuit 
uh, of a place in the top six. West Ham currently in fifth position as well. Um, I know there are st- some Arsenal fans that are, are even still maybe talking about the top four. That's not going to happen for me, but the top six, um, it is a real possibility. And if you look at the record between the two sides in Premier League history, they've met on 49 occasions. The Gunners having the large majority of the victories, 32 of the 49 West Ham have won on eight occasions and there have been nine draws between the two sides. If you look at the recent record between the two, Arsenal have a pretty decent record um, when it comes to West Ham of late. They've, of course, uh, they've already beaten West Ham at the Emirates Stadium this season by, by two goals to one. That was right at the beginning of the campaign. I think it was our second game. We uh, we also beat them uh, towards the back end of uh, last season. It was obviously the, the last game, wasn't it, before the lockdown. It was the last game I attended before the COVID stuff kicked in. Arsenal winning 1-0 that day. Last season at the, um, at the London Stadium, we won by three goals to one. Um, we also uh, beat them at the Emirates back in August 2018 by three goals to one. We did get beaten, however, on January 12th, 2019 um, at the London Stadium. I was at that game as well. Um, and we lost to a Declan Rice goal just after half time. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, we, we've got a pretty decent record in, in recent history when it comes to them. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game off the back of that. I'm looking forward to this game because we're through in the Europa League. We don't have to think about that now until that next tie. Um, but also, you know, we've got something to play for in the Premier League this season. And a lot of people don't want to don't want to have that, and they're looking solely at the Europa League. But if we can, if we can pull off a victory, that would be absolutely massive in terms of pushing uh, towards that position. And remember, there's a there's an international break to come after this. So after tomorrow's game. Arsenal don't play again until April 4th, right? So April 4th is the next game. That is at home to Liverpool, another side that we're looking to chase down. So if Arsenal could pick up a couple of positive results there, then all of a sudden that league, um, that league ambition of, of, you know, scraping back into the top six and at least securing a place for Europe via that and not having to rely solely on the Europa League would be huge for us, I think. And, um, it gives us something to play for in the Premier League. And Mikel Arteta's talked about the fact that to be at our best, we have to be in a competitive situation every single week. And um, being alive in the Premier League as well as the Europa League would obviously help in that. Yes, there are physical demands. Yes, there are. There, there's a counter argument that says Arsenal need to, uh, you know, Arsenal need to rest people. Arsenal need to rotate. And in in doing so, we do weaken ourselves at certain points and maybe the demand of both competitions will see us ultimately fall away in both. But I think that it's important to have Premier League ambitions still. I think it's important that we have something to play for in those league games in between all of those Europa League ties to keep us at our best. And if nothing else, give us a an opportunity to qualify for Europe and and, and and give ourselves a massive boost financially ahead of what we all feel is probably going to be a really, really important transfer window. Lots of questions coming in in the live chat about Bukayo Saka. Lots of comments about Bukayo Saka. Mikel Arteta, as I've already touched on, uh, says that Bukayo Saka may be available, but there, there will be a late assessment on him. I'm going to come on now to share my uh, team 
Now, again, I always stress this point every time I do this, but this is the team that I would pick and not necessarily the team that I expect Mikel Arteta to pick. So I'm just going to share uh, the older tactics board, the trusty old tactics board with you guys, and I'll quickly run through my starting eleven, and you'll get the answer to your question as to whether I think Bukayo Saka should play in this game. In goal, uh, I'm going to go with Bern Leno. Um, at left-back, Kieran Tierney. And and again, you know, you look at some of these players and you think they need a rest and they, you think they need a break. But we in Tierney's case, there is no alternative option at the moment. So Tierney plays uh, for me at left-back. At right-back, Cedric comes back into the side. Clearly, Mikel Arteta wasn't completely satisfied with what he saw from Hector Bellerin the other day because he hooked him off early, which I thought was strange. You don't change your right back. Um, you don't change any member of your defence, I don't think, when you're trying to defend the lead. So that was interesting and telling for me. Uh, David Luiz should play at right centre-back and at left centre-back. I'm going with Gabriel. Um, I like Pablo Marie. I like the look of him. But I feel like if West Ham are going to play with Mikel Antonio up front, which I, I don't know 100% is going to be the case, I feel like Gabriel will be better equipped to deal with him because physically I think he's stronger, but I also think he's quicker across the ground. And Mikel Antonio, as we all know, is extremely, extremely um, uh, quick and dangerous in those sort of positions. He's a player who's gone from a right back to a right midfielder to a centre forward in his career, which is incredible when you think about it. In midfield, I'd go with my preferred two, as always, which is Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey. I think Danny Sabahs' display the other night, um, apart from a couple of good moments, probably for me was, I'm not going to say the final straw, but was the decider when it comes to whether Arsenal should actually be trying to pursue a permanent deal for him. I, I think probably not. Um, I think he doesn't really give us what we need. And I think his inconsistencies are, are a bit of an issue. So I would go with Xhaka and Partey in midfield there. Mohamed Elneny, another player that was hooked early the other day because he wasn't good enough either. Um, it's very clear to me who Arsenal's starting midfield pair are and should be. And um, I'm not going to move away from that. I'm going to go with Martin Odegaard in the number 10 position. Came on again um, on Thursday and really gave us something. And I think he'll get his place back in the starting eleven. Um, moving to the left-hand side, sorry, moving to the, let's start with the right-hand side. I'm going to go with Nicolas Pepe. Missed some chances and his final ball wasn't always great against uh, Olympiagos, but he was always involved. He was always in the right place and he was trying to make things happen defensively. He puts in a great deal of work and a lot of you talk about it in the chat. You mentioned the fact that you think that when he plays with Cedric, he's a lot better. And given I've gone with Cedric, um, Nicolas Pepe will start on the right for me. I also don't want to see Bukayo Saka risked. If there is any doubt around whether Bukayo Saka is fit enough uh, to play this game, then you leave him out for me and you give him a break. And as I mentioned, we don't play again till April 4th. You bring him in on April 4th against Liverpool, but you leave him out for now. If there is any doubt around Bukayo Saka's fitness. Um, at centre-forward, I would go with Alexander Lacazette. Um, I was really disappointed by Aubameyang the other night. Not just his performance, I was disappointed with his attitude. I've been really disappointed by by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in general over this last week or so. I've, I found it really hard to get my head around the whole incident ahead of the North London derby, the turning up late, all of that stuff. I found it really difficult to get to, to, to move on from it when I see him go out on the pitch and fail 
to take really good opportunities that in times gone by he would have buried. And I just wonder if his head is not right at the minute. Um, so for me, um, I, I don't want to see him in the starting lineup. I know that's a big call, um, but I want to see Emil Smith Rowe uh, playing from the left hand side. William was out for, with a calf injury um, the other night. There's a there's a possibility that Martinelli could fill that role. But that's the team I would start with. Um, Lacazette up front, Emil Smith-Rowe from the left, Pepe from the right, Odegaard in the 10, uh, midfield uh, pivot of uh, Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey, back four of Tierney, Gabriel Luiz and Cedric and Bernd Leno in goal. So that's what I would go with. Um, that's how I think Arsenal should line up at the weekend. I'd play Bukayo Saka if I thought he was fit, if I didn't think it was a, a risk. Um, there's a couple of caveats. I might have even played Willian if I thought that he was going to be fit. Um, but we're not really sure on that one. And if he is available, we're not sure how fit he is. There's been shouts for Gabriel Martinelli to get more game time, and I wouldn't be against that. But I actually think that Emil Smith-Rowe gives us a fair bit from that left-hand side. I think he um, comes in field and he creates the space for Tierney to go on the overlap. And I thought the pair of them worked really well down the left on um, uh, or last Sunday when we won the North London derby. So I'd be interested to have another look at that again. Um, a lot of you agreeing with me in the chat about um, about the Aubameyang thing. It's, it's, you know, I wrote a piece yesterday, which is on 90 min, and I've, I've tweeted it out earlier on today about my, my sort of view on, um, on, uh, you know, on, on the the whole thing about Aubameyang and whether we should be maybe looking to cash in on him in the summer. And I've listed more reasons than just he he turned up late to the North London derby, right? It's not just about that. Um, it's about his performances. It's about his profile. It's about the way he fits into what Mikel Arteta is trying to do. And I said it in the piece as well, you know, it was easy to forgive Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for maybe um, not, applying the press as well as some of the others for maybe uh, not working as hard as some of the others when he was finding the back of the net regularly. And I'm not going to say the goals are completely dried up because he's still got roughly one in two this season. But when you think about his level of performance now and the fact that he is scoring significantly less goals than he was last season, it becomes difficult, doesn't it, to overlook those other factors that you maybe once would have been a little bit more open to overlooking. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about the whole Aubameyang thing. I, I don't really know what the best way to handle this is moving forward. I hope that he can fire us to Europa League glory. I don't expect Mikel Arteta to completely freeze him out. But given that he played the other night, given that Lacazette did well against Spurs, I thought then you, you know, you should uh, give Lacazette an opportunity to come in and, and do the job again. And uh, Tash in the chat says... Um, cash in yes but you'll only get 30 mil if you only get 30 mil then so be it that's 30 mil more than we would have got if we'd allowed his contract um to run out at the end of this season so um yeah 30 mil is 30 mil and and i think it's not necessarily about going out and bringing in someone who in terms of their goal record is better than a bamiang yes you'd obviously like that and you'd hope that that would be the case in the future but for me it's about what's more important is about finding someone who is of the right profile. And I feel like right now, Mikel Arteta's ideal centre-forward is something between Aubameyang and something between Lacazette. 
And that's why he rotates between the two. That's why he can't always decide which one should play. That's why he, for certain games, goes with Lacazette and for certain games goes with Aubameyang. Because I think he likes elements of both. But in an ideal world, he would like somebody who is a little bit more in the centre of the two in terms of their profile and playing style. Um, so it'd be interesting uh, to see what happens. And a couple of you, Matt and uh, Omar in the chat, saying that you take 30 million in a heartbeat. Yeah, I probably would as well, uh, based on the way things have gone, not just the last week, but this season in general. Um, Peanut Butter Jelly Time points out that he has had a tough year and he has. Um, and and you have to factor that in as well, I think. Um, but, you know, having a tough year and it affecting your performances is, um, is, you know, obviously a thing and it is a valid excuse to a degree, but things like your conduct, things like not turning up for COVID tests, going and getting tattoos when you're in lockdown, turning up late for the North London derby, that is inexcusable for me. And if you're the captain, you have to lead by example. And in that sense, he's not doing that. Um, just while we're on the subject of the teams, a really interesting question uh, to that, that Matt poses, and I'll just uh, touch on that. Whoops, clicking on all the comments except the one I wanted to bring up. Uh, Matt says, do you think Emil Smith-Rowe is happy playing on the left? Um, I think he'd prefer to play in the middle. Um, but I think from the left, he's given a, a fair amount of freedom to come in into that um into that inside space. I think he probably has to do a bit more defensive work playing from the left-hand side, which maybe he doesn't enjoy, maybe doesn't like. But at the end of the day, Martin Odegaard has been so good since he's come in. Um, and I think adds a complete another dimension to our team. I think it's impossible to drop him. And I think that he is the better of the two right now, is Odegaard. And because he's the better of the two, for me, the better of the two should be playing in the middle where he can have the most impact and where he can do the most damage and where he's ultimately going to have less space in which to operate, right? Because he's not just dealing with um, dealing with one fullback. He's dealing with, um, you know, he's, he's dealing with the centre midfielders. He's dealing with the centre-backs. He's dealing with people from all over the place. And I just think Odegaard's performances have been at a higher level. And so when you when it comes to choosing which one of them is going to play in their favoured central position, I think it's got to be Odegaard uh, at this moment in time. Xander says that Emil Smith-Rowe gave a really good interview to the Daily Mail and said he would play anywhere and Arteta has sold him on the left. So, yeah, look, and, and this is the, you know, we I don't want to bring up Ainsley Maitland-Niles again, but I will. But this is where we were talking about it in months gone by, about attitude, about desire, about the willingness to do a job for the team. You look at the likes of the young Bukayo Saka, who came in initially as a left-back when he was clearly a right-winger, uh, but he came in as a left-back. And he'd done the job and he shut up and he got on with it and he did his best and he performed to a very good level in that position. And that has given him some invaluable experience as well as laid the foundations for him becoming a regular Arsenal first-teamer. Emil Smith-Rowe, based on, on what Xander's saying there and based on what he said in that interview, seems to have the similar attitude. And that's the right attitude to have. Rather than getting given opportunities when by... You know, in terms of the, the level of senior players at the club and the fact that you've done very little in your career previously, you probably, um, you know, maybe don't warrant, you know, when they, those opportunities do come along, you've got, to, you've got to take them with both hands and you've got to make the boss uh, stand up and take notice. And Emil Smith-Rowe uh, being happy to play on the left-hand side is a, is a good indicator of where his head's at. And that is 
He wants to establish himself. He knows uh, that he's got a long way to go. Look, we, we don't even know if Martin Odegaard is going to be at the club in the summer. So if I was a Mill Smith Rowe, I wouldn't be panicking about playing out of position. I would be taking every opportunity that comes my way. I would be trying to seize those opportunities and I would be trying to prove to the manager that I am someone he can rely on, he can trust as he takes this project forward. You talk about, uh, yeah, I touched on him already, but I'll go back to it. Ainsley Maitland-Niles doesn't want to play at right back, doesn't want to play at left back, isn't good enough to play in centre midfield, but won't accept that and has gone to West Brom to, in my opinion, kill off his career, kill off what... Uh, potential he had because people are going to look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles' underwhelming West Brom performances and a lot of that is not down to him a lot of that is down to the fact that West Brom are so bad that they're playing in a in a way that doesn't suit him etc etc but people are going to look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the summer and where he may have had options had he stayed at Arsenal and come in and done a job in certain situations I think people are going to look at him and go well he went to West Brom and he didn't really pull up any trees so I'm not sure um I'm not sure he's the. Uh, I'm not sure he's he's worth a punt on, and I think that will come back to bite Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the ass. He won't be the first Arsenal player that's gone on loan to West Brom, and and it's um and the loan spell has been a, a difficult one. Big hello to the modern Guna, one of our members who's watching us. Says I'm doing the shopping right now, and I can't look at my shopping list saved on my phone because I don't want to exit the stream. Great content, thank you so much, mate, uh, for tuning in, and uh, don't worry, you can watch it on catch up. Uh, you don't want to forget something and get in trouble when you get home. So uh, check out the shopping list. Uh, but thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your support as well. And if you're interested in becoming a member of the Chronicles of Aguna, you can do so um, by uh, by clicking on the link in the description, checking out the three tiers available. You'll be supporting me to bring you more content as well as getting some benefits, which are listed when you click on that link. So thank you um very much uh modern guru also goes on to say that he's making gyros maybe i can get a live stream shopping list i've got to be honest mate i don't make it um i, I can't make a gyro it's a tough uh thing to make from scratch i do buy them uh but i don't make them from scratch so i wouldn't even have a clue um what you would need to do that but i'm sure you can find it online uh if you want to look it up <laughs> um right let's um let's uh We've talked about the team. We've talked about the team I would go with. Let me just quickly recap that for those of you in particular listening on the audio who maybe um, or who definitely can't see the graphic. Uh, so let me just uh, share that one more time uh, with you. I've got to bring it up for myself to make sure I don't make any mistakes reading it off. Berletto in goal, back four of Cedric, David Luiz, Gabriel and Tierney. Midfield pivot of Granite Xhaka alongside Thomas Partey, Martin Erdogan in the number 10 role. Emil Smith-Rowe from the left, Pepe from the right, and Alexander Lacazette through the middle. So that is my starting lineup um, to uh, to face West Ham United. Get your questions in. Um, get your questions in the live chat. We'll pick up some of those, and then I'll give you my prediction uh, before we uh, wrap up the stream. Uh, so let's see. I can see there's a few in there. Um, da -da 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 -da. This is an interesting one uh, from Matt. He says, what is Xhaka's secret? How is he able to play so much football without needing a rest? Genetic. Is it genetics? Is he doing something different in training? I think that naturally some players are just more durable than others. But I think it's a testament to, to how well he looks after himself um, that he, he is able to play so much football. And he will receive a lot of criticism. Um, 
from Arsenal fans, unfortunately, no matter what he does, because the, the glass has already been broken, if you, if you get what I mean. It's like when you break a mirror. Can you really put it together to be the same? You can't. But I think that Granit Xhaka has got a lot of qualities. And one of those qualities is the fact that he is able to play so much football, that he is so durable and that he is... Um, he isn't ever present in the side. I, I, I talk about top class players and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that he's the be or an end all. I've always said that if the opportunity came to upgrade on him, then I would upgrade him. Um, I would upgrade on him. But right now he's the best of what we've got. Um, he and Partey are the best duo. And I think the fact that you, you know, we talk about Thomas Partey in such high regard, yet Granite Xhaka is the one that's always bloody available. Um, says a lot about Granit Xhaka and actually highlights that we actually gloss over the fact. Um, we gloss over the fact that he is so uh, durable and we gloss over the fact that that is actually part of being a really, really top player is to be fit, is to keep in good condition and is to be uh, available whenever called upon. I, I think he looks after himself very well. I think naturally he's probably a lot more durable than some of the others. I think he, the way he plays the game in terms of um, from that deeper position, looks at what's going on. I think he reads the game quite well. And I think those things maybe help because he's not as all action or as all, you know, he's not as big on intensity maybe as some of the others. And that's not to not Granit Xhaka, but, I, I, you know, you he does do it sometimes, but Granit Xhaka's job is not to press at 100 miles an hour all the time, right? Granit Xhaka's job uh, is to is to marshal that midfield and and, and drop into spaces uh, that could potentially pose a threat that if our opponents got into, they could potentially pose a threat from. So, yeah, I think I think it's a bit of all of those things, but I think it's, uh, it's something that he deserves an immense amount of praise for. Uh, Yusuf Razak says, where do you think we need to strengthen the most in the summer? Um, I think there are a few positions that we need to look at. I think we probably need to reevaluate what we're going to do at centre-forward. Uh, there's a possibility that Lacazette leaves. I've talked about the possibility of Aubameyang leaving as well. Uh, Eddie Nketiah, for me, someone we should allow to move on. Don't think he's going to make it at Arsenal. Following Balogun is, is another one who, again, we don't know what, what's going to go, what's going to happen with that. Uh, so I think that's a, a position that needs uh, some clarity. I don't know if that means bringing someone in, um, but I, that will obviously depend on the outgoings. But I think that's an area in which Mikel Arteta has to have one eye on. I think we need another left-back. I know Serkel Asinac will return from loan, but it's clear that Mikel Arteta doesn't really fancy him. So we need another player there. We might need another right-back if, if Hector Bayern does move on, which again is being heavily rumoured. But I think, for me, the, the main position in which we need to focus on is, is probably in that centre of midfield because you look at that centre of midfield and we talk a lot about, well, I've talked a lot about how important I think Xhaka and Partey as a duo are. But beyond that, we've got problems. You know, Danny Ceballos is on loan from Real Madrid. Don't expect him to rejoin on loan. And I also don't think it would be wise for Arsenal to go and spend a significant proportion of what we already worry is going to be a fairly low transfer budget on him. Uh, so he's going to be gone, in my opinion. And then beyond that, what are the alternatives? Mohamed Elneny, not quite good enough for me either. I know I called him the Egyptian Pirlo in jest um, after that first leg victory in uh, in Olympiagos. But now we, we, we need to look at that area. It's a really uh, big area of concern. And I think that 
with Thomas Partey's fitness issues, um, it's, it makes it even more urgent. I think in terms of personnel, we're a bit short there. And I think that, and I hope this, this isn't the case going forward and I hope he's turned the corner. But with Thomas Partey, I do worry about him breaking down. Um, and we need someone else who can deputise in that position and doesn't significantly weaken the team. So centre midfield will probably be my my biggest uh, biggest concern um, in the summer. Omar says, based on how we played on Thursday, do you honestly see us going all the way? I don't know, mate. I, I think we can go all the way. I, I don't see why not. I think we can, we've got the beating of Slavia Prague, and I think we could beat either uh, Dinamo Zagreb or Villarreal. Um, I always talk about the fact that I fear Arsenal beating themselves uh, more than more than anybody in that competition beating us, but you got to accept you 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 got to remember that yeah we had an off night the other night those off nights will occur, um, but over that that's why these ties are two legs right because if you're if you do enough over the course of the two ties and we did uh, then you can get through even if you do have one off night we had one off night against Olympiagos and we had one night where I thought we played really really well and we played so well that night. And scored so many goals and and built such a commanding lead that actually we probably got away. Well, we did get away with the second leg, and us not necessarily being at, at a peak level. So, yeah, um, I, I do. I've got no reason to believe that Arsenal can't um, can't push on. Uh, Brad Richardson says, at "Random question: What changes would you make to the squad numbers?" Um, I don't like Nicolas Pepe's number of number nineteen. Uh, not a fan of that. I don't like um, I don't like Thomas Partey's number. I don't like um, I'm trying to think what what other numbers don't I like? Uh, Willian's number's okay, twelve, I suppose. Don't want really want to see him in the starting lineup every single week, so I'm not against that. Yeah, I think that I think those are probably the two. I think I'd want to change Thomas Partey's number. 18, I think it is. And I'd want to change Nicolas Pepe's 19 because I don't like wingers wearing numbers like that. I want my wingers really to wear 7 and 11. Um, I want my centre midfielders to wear 8 and 4. I want my centre backs to wear 5 and 6. My right back to wear 2. My left back to wear 3. And my strikers to wear 9 and 10. But I'm a I'm a traditionalist like that. I was brought up in a, at a time when that was the way it was for the most part. And all of a sudden, we've got players wearing number 34 and you see in some other teams, 99 and 68 and all these random bloody numbers. I, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's move uh, Let's move further down the chat. Dan Price says, do you think West Ham can push for top four again in the upcoming seasons? How do you think it affects our goals for this season? Am I right in saying that you're a West Ham fan, Dan? Let me know. Um, if you are, welcome. Um do I think West Ham can push for the top four and get it up? No, I don't. But that's not to say that they haven't done a, a fantastic job this time around. I just feel like there are a few of the big, big uh, six that are underperforming this season. Um, Leicester have done it consistently, challenged for it, but they did end up missing out last season. So um, it will be interesting to see if they're able to, to hold on to their position this time around. I think they probably will. And if they do, great achievement for Brendan Rodgers. But with West Ham, I still feel they're a little bit short. And I think that whilst they've been great and deserve a hell of a lot of praise, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them in the slightest, I just think that they've benefited from the way Arsenal have struggled, the way Tottenham have struggled and Liverpool as well. Um, you know, that's three teams that should, 
if they're at their required level, be pressing for the top four and none of them are at the moment. So I think West Ham have benefited from that, but that's not to take anything away from them. Patrick Carlson says, is it not time to let Martinelli get a chance down the middle tomorrow? Not for me, uh, because Lacazette has been effective um, and has been really good. And so I want Lacazette to play. And, and I don't think that Martinelli's done anything to justify him being selected ahead of Lacazette. Um, but I wouldn't be against Martinelli getting an opportunity from the left um, tomorrow. I, I prefer Emil Smith-Rowe to play, but if it was Martinelli, I wouldn't throw my toys out of the pram. I, I do think that that Martinelli himself, as I keep talking about, prefers, prefers, can't even speak, prefers to play from the left-hand side. Um, but I do believe that Mikel Arteta probably sees his longer-term future down the middle and we'll have to uh, see... Uh, We'll probably have to see if if Mikel Arteta can a convince him and get him into uh, get him wanting to play there uh, week in week out. Um, let's have a look at some more of your questions. Um, the number one waffler says this guy waffles more than me. You don't have to watch it, mate. You don't have to watch it. There you go, locked. See you later. Ain't got time for that toxic crap in here. Um, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's pick this one from Xander and apologies if I miss some of the questions. The chat is constantly updating and I will miss some, unfortunately, um, uh, just because of time constraints as well. But this one comes from Xander. If Saka is not past fit, would you be concerned with him joining up with England? Absolutely. I don't want to see him anywhere near that England squad if he's not fit. I just, I, I, I hate this. Um, I hate the fact that they're playing three internationals. You know, two is bad enough, but to play three um, is ridiculous. So I'm not a fan of that. Um, not happy with that at all. And uh, yeah, I, I don't want him to join up with them uh, at all. If uh, if he's not fit enough to play for Arsenal, why should he uh, go off there? Uh, Richard Banks says, who would you replace with a new signing in the summer from the team you've picked? If I had to pick one player uh, to replace, it would probably be... Um, this is interesting. Interesting. I'll probably replace Lacazette with a striker who, as I was saying a little bit earlier on, was was of a was somewhere in between that mould of a Bamiang and Lacazette. So has the ability to hold the ball up, play with his back to goal, but also the ability to run in behind. Um, it's not because I don't like Lacazette. Don't take it that way. I, I think he gives his best for Arsenal every time he plays. It's just that I feel like we need an upgrade in that position. And I think that that would then give us the option to put crosses in the box as well and and, and change our game a little bit when needed. So, yeah, um, that's that's probably the one I would pick. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Matt says, uh, what's wrong with number 19, Harry? Agenda. <laughs> Uh, big hello to Marble Halls TV, uh, to Hermani in the chat. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Lawrence Lancaster says the Hammers need to spend big, also need to buy the right players. Another West Ham fan. I hope you're well. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, question on, on Tarek Lamptey. Uh, wicked comments says, see us linked with Lamptey a lot, but do we really want him? He's played like 15 games this season and is injury prone. I really want a solid choice at right back. Yeah, I'm concerned about 
a um Lamptey's Lamptey's injury record and B, the fact that Brighton are going to want a hell of a lot of money for Tarek Lamptey, aren't they? So those two things make it a bit of a no-go for me at this moment in time. If Brighton get relegated, story may be different because I'd take a punt on Lamptey if the money was was right because I feel like he has got the ability to go on to really good things. But that just that, those injuries worry me and we've got enough of those players, haven't we? They seem to break down every single week. We, I, I wouldn't like to see another one of those Um in the squad. Uh, what else have we got in the live uh, chat? Someone telling me that uh, 19 is the number of our hood in France, Paris. One of the big, baddest hoods in the town. So, Harry, stay at your place because we are big and we ain't joke. One niners for life, fool. It's all about that. ES19. What the hell, man? I didn't say that I hate the number 19 when it's, you know, because it's linked to your neighbourhood in Paris. I said I don't like the number 19 on a football player's shirt who plays on the right wing. Simple as that, mate. Um, don't, no need to get your knickers in a twist about that. Um, there we go. That's uh, that's, that's the end uh, of the podcast. I've got to give you my prediction. I haven't done that yet. And my prediction is going to be a 3-1 Arsenal win. I'm going to be positive. And I feel like... Um, we're going to turn in a good display after a disappointing one on Thursday. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 Arsenal win. It might be a little bit hopeful, might be a little bit optimistic, but I'm feeling good uh, about this one ahead of kickoff. Uh, make sure, if you haven't already, you smash the like button. It really, really does help. In fact, let's check in uh, where we are right now in terms of likes. We have over 200 of you watching right now, but we've only got 58 likes. So let's get that up to 100. That should be very, very easy to do between now and the uh, the outro. Um, have a quick glance at the comments. Uh, one more. Lots of predictions uh, coming through. We've got um, Xander says 2-1 Arsenal. Josh 2-2. Side Abdullah says 2-0 Arsenal. Pranjal says 1-0. Some 5-1, some 4-1, some 3-1s. Um, lots of optimism in the comments, which is what I like to see. Uh, but yeah, Let's uh, let's see how it pans out on Sunday. As I said, smash the like button if you haven't already between now and the outro playing. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you want to become a member, click on the link in the description and uh, check out manscaped.com. And if you wish to purchase any of their fantastic products, you can do so uh, by entering our discount code 19min20 and that will get you 20% off as well as free worldwide shipping. Right. Take care. And uh, see you guys on Sunday. Until then, ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.